We've got a question from Ricardo about seller notes and down payments and SBA loans. And while I'm not going to answer his question directly, I do want to take this opportunity to talk about a mistake I see a lot of people making when they're talking about buying a business and the financing. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Dealmaking, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. All right, everyone, I got a comment here on one of the videos. Uh, this is from Ricardo. He was watching the live stream I did with Lisa Forrest, who's from Live Oak Bank, and she is uh, someone who does loans under the U.S. Small Business Administration Program, the SBA program. And Ricardo asked a question specifically about that. I'm going to read his question and, and then explain to you why I'm not going to answer it. And we're going to get into deep detail about one part of the question, which I noticed is a common misconception that a lot of business buyers make when, they, when they're talking about financing and making an offer. So here, let's read the question first. He says, if you get 15% seller financing to help with the down payment, can you refinance a 7A loan after two years to cash out the seller's investment? That's his question. So the first reason that I'm not going to answer this question is that nobody, Ricardo, including Lisa over at the bank, can give you any kind of answer as to what, what credit availability will be available that you will qualify for in two years' time. And back, you know, from the moment I wrote my very first book, Invest Local, I talked about the dangers of any kind of balloon payment or, or any kind of obligation in the future which relies upon somebody sort of gambling on the fact that they're going to qualify for credit and that credit will be available at some future point. We don't know what the future holds. And so I always caution people, whenever you're making any kind of deal, any kind of offer, always have some kind of plan B built into the deal so that you don't end up in two or three years at some kind of inflection point where now you have to come up with a big amount of money, like a hundred grand. Like if you did a, a seller note amortized over eight years with a balloon payment in three. So you did pay some principal amount. The loan would fully amortize over eight years. But for whatever reason, at the end of the third year, you had to pay the entire principal due. That would be an example of a deal with a balloon payment. And you would be gambling on the fact that you could come up with the money in some way in three years time to pay it out, Right. Nobody knows what you're going to qualify for. Nobody knows what the economy is going to be like, what the interest rates are going to be, et cetera. So what I would advise that buyer to do, it, rather than say there's going to be a balloon payment at the end of the third year, if the seller really wanted their money quickly for, let, let's say the seller didn't want to finance it more than three years. This is what I would suggest. It would say, okay, well, let's have it amortize over eight years. At the end of the third year, let's have the interest rate go way up. So if I want to, I can keep paying the higher interest rate for the balance of the term, or 
you know, now I've got this real incentive to go and refinance. So Mr. Seller, obviously I'm going to want to refinance, but here's the thing. If you can't refinance or if there's no opportunity to refinance, you still have this plan B built into the deal where, okay, I'm going to have to pay a higher interest rate, but it's not the end of the world. I'm not going to end up in a position where I'm technically in default of a note because I wasn't able to go and get, you know, this financing. So that's the first thing. The second thing, the beginning of Ricardo's question, if you get 15% seller financing to help with the down payment, seller financing is not part of the down payment. Seller financing is debt, just like a bank loan is debt. Your down payment is your equity that you are putting into the deal. The word, the term down payment can also refer to the amount of money the seller is receiving on closing day. So if I borrow, if I have, let's say it's a hundred thousand dollar business. If I have 10,000 of my own money and I borrow 50,000 from the bank, I could tell the seller, I'm going to give you a down payment of $60,000, 10 plus 50. And then you will finance the other 40,000. So my down payment to the seller is that total, that 60,000, right? So that's one way that down payment is used. From the point of view of the bank, they often look at the amount of money that the, the buyer is actually putting in, which is really your equity, how much of your own money is going into the deal. The amount of seller financing that's, that's a part of this, that's another form of debt. How is the bank going to look at it? Do they look at it as debt or do they look at it as equity? I've been successful in getting some bankers to consider seller notes to be equity, but only under certain circumstances. And that circumstance is that that debt has to act like equity. So what does equity act like? Equity acts in a, in a fashion. It is an investment in a business that has no cash flow consequence. So when I put my money into a business purchase, I'm putting my own money in, I'm borrowing from the bank. The bank is going to require a payment. Most sellers, if they do seller financing, are going to require a payment. So the cash flow consequence of those two types of financing, bank and seller note, is that there's going to be a cash payment monthly, quarterly, whatever it is, right? My equity, if I make a, a, any kind of payment on the equity, it's a dividend or a distribution. The bank is going to make me sign something saying I'm not going to take any dividends or distributions unless certain criteria are met. Sometimes that might be that they're paid off entirely, right? So how do we make a seller note act like equity? Well, if there's no payment requirements. So if we have no payment on that seller note for years, then the bank might consider it to be equity. So I'll give you an example of actual deals that have a hand in that have done this where the seller agrees to no payments on their note for five years. So think about this. You're asking the seller, Mr. Seller, I'm going to give you a down payment, which is going to be my money and the bank's money. You're going to have to finance part of the deal. But for the first five years, I'm going to make no payments on that. Or maybe I'll make an interest only payment on that. Whatever the bank will allow. So the seller has to literally leave that money invested in the business with no payments coming out to them for five years in order for the bank to consider it to be part of the equity, right? And so I know that I'm nitpicking a little bit here, 
But when people start throwing these terms around without stopping to actually consider about what it is that's being said, this is what leads to confusion between people in a deal. So let me give you an example of how it can lead to confusion. So if you are saying that, um, you know, you're going to go to a seller and give them a down payment of $60,000 and they're going to hold a note for $40,000 on a, this theoretical $100,000 purchase, that seller might believe that you have $60,000. And if 50,000 of it's coming from a bank, they might not know that if you don't tell them, right? So they think you have 60 grand of your own money. They may believe that and that you want them to finance 40 grand. They might agree to that knowing that if you don't pay them, they can come back and repossess the business. On closing day though, they're going to be presented with documents from the bank asking them to subordinate their position, their seller note to subordinate it underneath the lien position of the bank's note. And that's when the seller is going to find out, hey, wait a minute, the 60 grand wasn't yours. You're borrowing 50 of it, right? That changes entirely the position of the seller from being a first lien, uh, first position lien holder in a 40% loan to value business sale to being a second position lien holder in a 90% loan to value business sale, right? That's when sellers say, I didn't agree to that. And they don't sign the papers and they walk away and your deal blows up, right? And this is why it's important to get the language correct so that when you approach a seller and you say, I'm going to give you a down payment of 60,000 on the business, 10,000 of it's going to be my equity. I'm going to borrow 50,000. The seller can actually make an informed decision about whether they're willing to hold the balance of the transaction in a note. Or if you go to them and say, I need you to hold a 15% seller note as part of the equity with no payments for five years, you're being very clear with them about what it is that you need them to do in order for you to get the financing. And, you know, some people will say, hey, you know, sellers won't agree to those terms or the things that you're asking the seller to do, you know, why would someone do that? Let me tell you, as someone who works on deals with people that are all over the place, sellers do accept some of these terms. It often comes down to what the market's doing. Are there buyers available? Is the right buyer available? For the right buyer, a seller can do whatever they want. It's their business. And this, again, is another reason why one of the most important things in buying or selling a business is the relationship between the two parties. Anyway, thanks for the question, Ricardo. And um, uh, thanks for the opportunity to be able to tear this apart. Um, and if if some of you guys were confused by some of that stuff, go ahead and listen again. Uh, and if, if I wasn't clear about something, just leave a question in the comments down below. Um, and if I have to, I'll, I'll address it again. But thank you all for all the questions that keep coming up. I'll remind everyone that if you're interested in, in owning a business one day, you want to learn how to do it, head over to businessbuyeradvantage.com. That's where you can sign up for my online course called Business Buyer Advantage. You can also learn about my coaching program, Business Buyer Adventure, and all the other things that I do, uh, consulting services that I do to help people buy a business. And, um, and with that, I'll say see you later and uh, we'll chat next time. Bye. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books, 
and the online courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out about how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlist, etc. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go out to Jeff Alpaw Customs for being my tailor. Men all around the world can look dangerous, just like me, with the help of Jeff Alpaw Customs. JeffAlpaw.com. Use the code DCB10 to save. They handle multiple currencies and ship anywhere you happen to be.